Hi and welcome to the podcast. We were in Barcelona last June covering Sonar Plasti, the professional technology fair that runs parallel to the music festival. One of its central components is the Market Lab, which works as a sort of a showroom, a space where creators present their latest projects and prototypes. There, we were able to discover new trends in music and video technology, interfaces and tools for production, which may or may not change the way we create in a not-too-distant future. We also had the chance to chat to several of the exhibitors, covering areas as varied as generative portraits, immersive sound mapping and cutting-edge forms of storytelling. Alan Warburton, a resident at the Somerset House Studios in London, investigates what software does and how it both shapes and is shaped by culture. These are four films made since 2012. I make about a film and a half a year. They take a really long time. Uh, I do them all myself. I do the music and the visuals. Um, so, yeah, they're all on different themes. They don't, they're not a collection. They don't relate to each other particularly. Um, this one was based on the, the prediction, the Mayan prediction of the 2012 apocalypse. So that's the black and white film called Zed there. Um, the next one that I did was uh, Spherical Harmonics, uh, which was exhibited at the Photographer's Gallery on their digital wall, which is an array of eight big screens. And this is uh, about how software changes the conversations that people have about photography. So traditionally, you've got this idea that um, photographers capture a moment spontaneously in time and that there's this element of chance. And, uh, and although there is elements of chance within technology, CGI allows this kind of over-determination of uh, imagery and of narrative. And you can create these very sealed, hermetically sealed spaces where you have control over every parameter. So I was looking at the culture of kind of um, control in CGI for this one. Uh, the next one that I made uh, the year after in 2015 was Psychometrics here, and this was commissioned by um, the Arts Council in Wales, and it's about uh, TED Talks and productivity philosophies and the culture of technology uh, today where we all turn up for discussions from executives who are sharing their wisdom about how to be more creative and how to turn yourself into a productive machine. Uh, so that's what that film's about. And then finally, the fourth one is called Soft Crash, and this was produced last year. And it's a film that has been about 10 years in the making, uh, thematically for me. Uh, it's about the um, austerity economics uh, following the 2008 uh, financial crash. And it brings in themes to do with uh, game theory uh, and economics, and it weaves a, a very sort of symbolic, dense story uh, where everything is interconnected in a kind of paranoid fantasy. Uh, and there's an essay online that goes along with this and explains everything. So those are my four works. Uh, my, the themes I'm interested in are software uh, and uh, social and political biases encoded into software, but also the culture of CGI, uh, which is um, a very interesting place to work, full of uh, white men making boring things. Uh, and I am a white man, but I hope, hopefully, hopefully I'm not making too many boring things. Yeah, and that, yeah I was wondering, like, 
it's very separate concepts and well, like, you're, you're, you're told now like what your interests are. And I guess like you explore them in all of them, but also in each of the videos, you also like explore a different sort certain changes in the, in the technology. Do you, or do you use a similar technology or do you uh, try to yeah. incorporate and uh, research onto new, onto so, yeah, I, different I, things? For example, in the latest film, I used um, what's uh, Elite Motion, which is a hand tracking device. So at the beginning of that film, I have uh, four characters playing cards around a table and all four characters were generated by me tracking my hands so I'm using motion tracking uh, I'm also using 3D scanning but generally you can't detect all the different um, inputs they all kind of come together in, in one place and I kind of like that because it gives the viewer something to, to think about and look at and changes to detect because all of my films are supposed to be looped and if you're looping things you want to have uh, certain depth so that you can watch it more than once and start seeing more things. Yeah. Um, so last year I worked a lot with motion capture technology and I, I had a residency in the south of France where I worked with a dancer and I worked with crowd simulation uh, algorithms and technology and software uh, where I could feed the da one dancer's motions into a whole crowd. And uh, it was a really intense project and I produced a series of films called Primitives that have exhibited across Europe uh, last year and this year. Um, but the, one of the most interesting things that came out of that was looking at how motion capture libraries have certain encoded biases within them. So motion capture has been around for 20 years now and um, that data has been building up for 20 years but the more that you look into that library of data the more you see the same performers creating different motions. So you'll have the same man in a studio creating motions uh, female motions, women's movements, and then I found a particular set of motions called gay, just simply gay. So I looked at these motions, and they were gender, ridiculous. Gender bias motions. Gender yeah. bias motions. Amazing. And so uh, one of my most recent works is called Training Camp, and it and it uses these this library of gay motions. Camp, as in like camp. Camp. camp, camp training uh, camp. camp. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the motions have been plugged into an army of soldiers who all perform this, uh, these gay motions together and that exhibited in um, a, a queer festival in Australia uh, last year and the, the beginning of this year and I think it will be going back to Australia later in the year as well but I think that's a really interesting um, uh, direction for exploration in my work to look at how archives, digital archives have encoded bias over the last kind of 30 years. It's amazing. I mean, did you find these libraries through your uh, work in South of France? Or? Yes. Uh, so I was making a lot of bespoke uh, motions working with this dancer, but I needed a huge volume of motions, and it just takes so long to produce motion capture to clean all the data that I needed extra motions. Uh, so I went online to try and find those extra motions and, and discovered how they're categorized. And they're, I mean, 95% of these motions are fighting. They're all like fighting, conflict, they're super aggressive because they're all plugged into games, right? Okay. Oh, and they're wow. all plugged into games made by men for men. Kill, kill, kill games. Kill, 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 <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, so finding that small section of motions that were more ambiguous but, was interesting. But isn't like, like for, for performance or for dance, you wouldn't find as many as like, you wouldn't find motion libraries for the... Well, you do find kind of basic salsa, for example. Okay, for a, like... Yeah, but again, that's just a fraction of what's available. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting what motions people create for other people to use. <laughs> yeah.
because of course that's how you express yourself. If you have a, an avatar and you want to express yourself through that avatar, you need to put. Yeah, you need to make your own stuff if you want to be an individual and express anything other than the norm, really. Um, yeah. I find that we end up uh, creating a lot of stereotypes in uh, digital in general. For example, actually in 3D graphics, like the work you have there from the photographer's gallery. These images of these sort of female-looking, beautiful shapes with you know perfect bodies and no hair. What do you think of that? It keeps appearing. Well, yeah. So in our I, work. I used the model in Spherical Harmonics. Her name is Maya. She was a labor of love for someone on the internet. Somebody had spent an incredible amount of time creating this, and it was an expensive model for me to buy. It was something like uh, $400 or, or so. But I could change parts of it. I could start pumping bits up, bumping bits down, but uh, only within certain parameters. So even the flexibilities encoded into digital models, they demonstrate the, the parameters that that bodies have in, in, a, in a real sense. The, the acceptable parameters for a body are encoded very clearly into uh, digital models. I find it fascinating. It's, and of course... It's weird because it also like, translates to genetics. Yes. Gen genetics yeah. has a variability but to, uh, to a certain degree. Like yeah. your parameters, about what it is a human body, is just the well-defined. Yeah, I think um, online culture also through tutorials, the use of tutorials to create certain bodies is, is very interesting. It, it's sort of, I've, I think in the past I've likened it to um, kind of playboy bunnies infesting the network. So you've got this certain type of, of uh, body and then you go online to find out how to make it, how to remanufacture, how to re-distribute uh, and propagate certain ideas. Digital technology allows us to do that. And because it's so difficult to learn how to do it yourself, you often rely on easier ways of manufacturing easier stereotypes. Um, so it's an uphill struggle to deviate from the norm within kind of digital technology. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Do you then upload new libraries? Yes, you can. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done it myself, but I have recently spent about two weeks creating my ideal man. And my ideal man is short, fat, bald, hairy, and there's no men like that online. So I've created this model and I will upload him and uh, hopefully he'll um, find a use. Um, but I'm addressing the balance. Internal Labs is a Barcelona-based company that develops tools for multidimensional sound. Interno presented the software tools to design and control sound for immersive environments such as the Interno Bridge, a tool to record, write and playback special information. We deal with three-dimensional sound. Uh, we are a company who was born in Barcelona around three years ago. And uh, how does uh, three-dimensional sound work? So if you have a space of any shape, we're able to create the illusion that the sound moves inside this space, three-dimensional, all around the listener. So uh, we, have, we have set up uh, um, a little demonstration here 
now he's playing with it. And because we are not able to set up loudspeakers, the only way we can do it out here is with headphones. So you can uh, move the sound uh, with an iPad and see how the sound moves around, around your ears. Inside here we have set up a cabin with, with 32 loudspeakers inside and uh, you might have a more complete demonstration inside here. The Scientific Visualization Group at Barcelona Supercomputing Center presented this year Sonomap, the first immersive multi-channel data experience. So this is a project by the Supercomputing Center. We are the visualization team inside the, the Supercomputing Center and we work with uh, visualizing like data in, in different formats. So what we propose here is, a, is a, a, a map of the noise of the city of Barcelona. So we take data from the local governments they normally measure real data with uh, microphones and in order to make a kind of a study of the how, how, how much noise there is in, in a particular place, but not everywhere in the city. So the first step here is to make a model, a mathematical model, that we use to, to know more or less the, the value of the noise at each point of the city. And this is what you can see on the screen, on the big screen there. This is a huge map of the city where you see like tiny spots saying how much noise is there in, at, any, at any point. The local government classifies the noise in, in traffic noise, uh, industrial noise, and also like train and leisure and road works and these kind of things. So you can see different different kinds uh, types of noise. And How we, are they represented? These different types of noises? It's just different colors. Okay. Yeah. yeah you can see the map. It's right here. So the other thing is uh, we cross this data with uh, with traffic information from the city in real time. So we can make like a, a kind of a movie of 24 hours of the life of the city in a, in a normal day. So you can. See See how people wake up and check the car, and there is much much noise at nine in the morning than at seven. So there is a, a kind of a history of the, uh, of, the of the 24 hours of the city. And then in order, the, the, the fact here is it's kind of a, a strange to visualize noise. It's, 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 it's just noise, right? So we, we propose a different uh, tool to, to explore this, this data, which is a virtual reality experience where you navigate through a 3D model of the city, which is this one. This is like a dot, like a point cloud of the city that you can explore with the virtual reality. Uh, but you, the important thing here is the noise that you are hearing while you are exploring the city. So you, you have headsets, and then you can hear the, the result uh, of the model at the point of where you are exploring at, at that particular so it place. Changes what, it changes whenever you're, whenever, whenever you're moving. And the other guys inside the room are hearing the same noise as the explorer of the city. So okay. there is a, like a set of speakers, and you can hear the noise. WORTS is a project by the European Institute of Design in Barcelona. And it's an interactive installation where the audience's words materialize into visual statements. Okay, so the thing is, we wanted to create a manifestation of the fourth dimension. So in the first dimension you have a dot, in the second dimension you have a line, in the third dimension you have a cube. But nobody really knows how a fourth dimension looks like. So we wanted to make a tesseract. But the thing is, once you go beyond the third dimension, you start messing with time and you start hearing things that happened before and things that happened after. So if you work with me here, you can see that this huge, amazing structure actually has a purpose. So, for instance, you can talk to it. So, talking to the mic, send something loud, whatever you want. Hola. Hola dos. <laughs> 
kan louder? Ja. Yeah. Shall we speak louder? Yeah. Louder, louder. Can I, can I, can I start singing it? Yeah. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> Claude. <laughs> so now your voices are trapped inside the Tesseract. Okay. And we don't know if they're going to be played before this time, we don't know if they're going to be played after this time, but the thing is that now you're part of the Sound of Sonar 2017. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Yep.